Do what you want with me, but you will never destroy Christmas. But I just did. After today, do you know what the people are gonna remember next Christmas and every Christmas after that? This Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalogue all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses-to-be. I am Christy and I am here with my friend Brie. Hello! And today we are ending our first podcast season with a look at The Swan Princess Christmas. Oh, Christy. You gave me such a gift last week by, by <laughs> picking The Nutcracker Prince... And 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 then you gave me this one. Yeah, this week it's you get a stocking full of coal. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is my this is my gift. I <laughs> fucking love this one. Holy shit! <laughs> this is so. This is this this movie asks a lot of questions. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I there's there's a lot. I didn't realize that that you know, not to start in on this too too big picture, but I think a lot of animated Christmas films sort of skirt the idea, especially if they're set in a fantasy world, skirt the idea that that Christianity <laughs> is is part of the 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 whole celebration. Oh. They sort of it's Christmas, but they never actually talk about Jesus. But this yeah. one definitely they they uh it yeah comes in, it comes in hot this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't you worry. We're we're definitely I've got that slated for discussion. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, it it uh knocked oh, me God. knocked me off balance when they <laughs> they started singing about Jesus. Yeah, this one this is. It's it's funny because we are, if you remember, there are now ten Swan Princess movies. My viewing group has viewed, uh, well, we've gotten up to nine, and today everybody tends to think of when when I've asked them, "What's your favorite Swan Princess sequel?" Everybody points to Swan Princess Five, which we uh, previously looked at on the podcast, but which was fantastic. It it was to, to be but. Clear. After rewatching the Swan Princess Christmas, I gotta, I gotta say, like, it's Swan Princess Christmas <laughs> is the best worst one. Oh. Oh, this, I, and the whole, the plot, everything yeah. is just, it is, it everything. is a buck wild sort of. This, this movie defies logic. <laughs> It defies gravity. It, it defies a lot of things. <laughs> Common sense. Common sense <laughs> in a big way. I, Expectations. Just wow. It's magical. I love this one so much. I love aspects we, of this one. I'm not going to lie. There's th that cat. Yeah. There is a cat in this film and he's great. I oh, love yeah. that oh, terrible yeah. cat. <laughs> um 
I just I love this one so so much. Um, we we kind of I touched on this briefly back in the Swan Princess Five episode, but I can still remember walking through a Walmart and laying eyes on a copy of a Swan Princess Christmas, and. At, at the time of its release, it was still a full three years before I would begin gleefully collecting these bad movies about princesses. So my initial reaction to seeing a Swan Princess Christmas was basically just pure confusion. <laughs> it, How did this happen? Yeah, there was this triple whammy of, it was, they made another Swan Princess sequel, uh, they made a CGI Swan Princess sequel, and finally, <laughs> they made a CGI Swan Princess Christmas sequel? <laughs> it's just layers of disbelief. It's, you just, you pull back, you pull back each layer of that onion, and it just gets stinkier and stinkier. <laughs> oh, oh, so good. I... Just, I actually wow. can't remember. I actually can't remember if I bought it then and there because I I wouldn't have any reason to have bought it because I wasn't doing the the princess movie stuff then. But I feel like I might have just to make people watch it and be like, "Hey, look at this! They made a CGI Swamp Princess movie, and it, it's about Christmas." Just to prove to people that this is a thing that you saw, and yeah, it's real. Yeah, it was almost just the novelty of, of hey, the Swan Princess series is back and, and it's all about Christmas. I, I've bought discount DVDs for, for less reason yeah. than that. You know, if it's, if it's a, it's in the $2 bin and you can just pick it up oh, yeah. and be like, this exists and I need to own it. Sometimes that just happens. It's just that curiosity of, of how how bad is this? Because I've got a feeling I must it's bad. Know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I just and 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 yeah, like this this couldn't have cost more than like like I'm gonna say seven bucks to be generous. <laughs> Still bargain yeah. bin. Oh yeah. Still in that cardboard box that they put outside of the HMV, and it's like you can buy three of these for mm-hmm. for ten dollars. They're yeah. they're six dollars each, but you can get three for ten. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Just just that giant bin where they just, like, at the end of every month, they just dump a fresh load of, of the movies that didn't sell. <laughs> oh. It's... Oh, God. Christy, I need you to go through the plot because I, I need to dive into some of the things that occur in this yeah. film. And I don't want to... I don't want to step on the plot yet. Okay. <laughs> we got to... Oh, excellent. Yeah, so let's, you know what, let us just dive on in with this one. Here we go. Here we go with uh, a Swan Princess Christmas. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride. The film begins with Derek and Odette making their way to Uberta's kingdom via a Christmas sleigh ride. Unfortunately for them, evil lurks just around the corner. We are introduced to number nine, a scraggly black cat who is working for none other than the evil Rothbart, the sorcerer from the first Swan Princess film. 
Rothbard orders Number 9 to get Derek's attention and lead him into Rothbard's currently unexplained trap. Derek and Odette arrive at Uberta's castle to see it fully decked out in Christmas decorations. Derek reveals to Odette that every year his mother picks a theme for Christmas, and this year it's a Swan Princess Christmas, as evidenced by the dozens of Swan Princess-themed wind chimes hung up around the castle. Uberta tasks Odette with coming inside to help her and Lord Rogers with their Christmas choirs, and Derek is tasked with finding the royal Christmas tree. Just as the castle doors are about to close, Number 9 dashes in, successfully infiltrating Uberta's castle. Number 9 makes his way down into the cellar, where, among other things, the Christmas ornaments are stored. There he finds a menacing box monogrammed with an R. Rothbard's ghostly voice explains that Derek must be the one to open the box. Derek's the one who sent me out of this life. He's the only one who can let me back in. In order to bring Rothbart back, Number 9 must lead Derek to the cellar and get him to open up the chest. After an eventful run-in with some ferocious beasts in the aptly named Ice Leopard Pass, Derek and Bromley arrive back home with the royal Christmas tree. Rogers manages to convince Uberta to light this year's tree with his latest invention, the light bulb. The next day arrives, which happens to be Ornament Day. Ornament Day is the day on which everyone gathers to deck the royal Christmas tree with hand-carved ornaments that celebrate the history of the kingdom. The last ornament, the royal star, is to be placed on top of the tree, but upon opening the box, the royal star is missing. Derek volunteers to go down to the cellar to search for the star. There, Number 9 is waiting for him, and he leads Derek to Rothbard's chest. Derek opens the chest, finds nothing amiss, and leaves after collecting the missing royal star, which has suspiciously reappeared near Rothbart's chest. Once Derek leaves, the chest erupts in light, revealing the ghostly form of Rothbart. On the first day of Christmas, Prince Derek gave to me a way back to Earth. Rothbard explains that he still needs to get his real body back, which he can only do if he destroys Christmas. The only thing more powerful than the Forbidden Hearts is the spirit of Christmas. At Christmas, I ain't got much juice. So this is when you decide to come back? When you're at your weakest? Well, you have to come back at Christmas if you want to destroy Christmas. Although Rothbard is at his weakest, he can still cast small spells. As a demonstration, Rothbard enchants Rogers and Uberta so that they lose the Christmas spirit, causing them to bicker endlessly. Meanwhile, Derek is on the hunt for number 9, suspicious of how the little cat keeps showing up in all the wrong places. Just as Derek has number 9 cornered, Rothbard appears. Rothbart attempts to attack Derek, but is repelled by the sound of one of the Swan Princess wind chimes hanging in the castle. Putting the pieces together, Derek realizes what Number 9 was doing all this time, as well as his own role in releasing Rothbart. Derek confides in Odette what's going on, hypothesizing that the wind chimes were able to repel Rothbart because they represent both Odette's goodness and Christmas itself. Odette correctly deduces that Rothbart is the reason why Rogers and Uberta are fighting, with Derek coming to the natural conclusion that Rothbart is attempting to use the Forbidden Arts to destroy the Christmas spirit. 
Derek requests that Odette keep Rothbart's activities a secret, believing that there's nothing they can do while Uberta and Rogers are under Rothbart's spell. In the meantime, Derek has a bunch of wind chimes hung up at the entrance to the cellar and all around the castle, preventing Rothbart from moving around too freely. As a result, Rothbart decides to use the Forbidden Arts to wreak some havoc in the nearby town. The result is a bunch of grouchy villagers, all lacking in the Christmas spirit. What a fine goose! For that price, it better lay golden eggs! <laughs> Derek and Odette see this, and Derek decides to reveal to Bromley that Rothbart has returned, and the two men begin working on an undisclosed plan to thwart Rothbart. While Rothbart is plotting his next move in the cellar, Bridget appears. Recognizing his old partner in crime, Rothbart tries to enlist Bridget in his scheme to destroy Christmas. Surprisingly, Bridget agrees, saying that she misses the old days of being Rothbart's henchwoman. Bridget agrees to cut down the wind chimes in the castle so that Rothbart can get to Odette. Unfortunately for Rothbart, Odette just left the castle, along with Uberta and Rogers. Odette asks the bickering duo to join her on a goodwill mission to deliver Christmas presents and food to a poor woodcutter's village. The woodcutters are so gracious for the gifts that it melts the hearts of Rogers and Uberta, breaking Rothbart's spell. They return to the town, spreading their Christmas cheer to the citizens, which depowers Rothbart, almost to the point of destroying him. Rothbart comes up with a new plan, enlisting Number Nine's help once again. Number Nine steals a light bulb from the royal Christmas tree and brings it to Rothbart, who imbues it with the power of the Forbidden Arts. Placing it back on the tree, all that's left to do now is wait until the tree lighting ceremony. Just then, Bridget comes in to warn Rothbart of Derek's plans against him. Bridget takes Rothbart to a barn on the castle grounds. Once Rothbart is inside, the trap is sprung. It turns out, Bridget was working for Derek all along. Derek had Bromley construct a giant wind chime, which drops from the ceiling and encircles Rothbart, trapping him in place. Just as Rothbart is captured, the tree lighting ceremony begins. Suspicious that Rothbart has one last trick up his sleeve, Derek tries to stop the tree lighting, but is too late. When the tree lights up, the power of the Forbidden Arts causes it to short circuit, and Rothbart begins to return to human form. The Christmas tree explodes in an eerie red light, and Rothbart is able to release himself from the giant wind chime. Ah! <gasps> He's b b b b b b and he, and he, and he. Let me help you out there. He's back, and he's in the flesh. <gasps> Revealing himself to the gathered crowd, Rothbart declares himself king. Wanting to firmly establish his power, Rothbart tells Derek and Odette that he has to take care of them, as they've got the Christmas spirit all year round. Rothbart kidnaps Odette, bringing her back to his original castle at Swan Lake, daring Derek to meet him there. At Swan Lake, Rothbart taunts Odette, turning her back into a swan and trapping her within a nest of tangled vines in the middle of the lake. To rub in his victory further, Rothbart casts a spell so that, when the approaching moonlight touches Odette's wings, she'll turn into a Christmas ornament. At this moment, Derek appears and engages Rothbart in combat. As he did in the first film, Rothbart turns into the Great Beast. Try as he might, Derek is no match for Rothbart in his current form. 
Derek is thrown into a nearby stone staircase, gravely injured. Suddenly, Odette begins singing a song about Christmas. They're sharing a memory of caring and tender rejoicing. The song's doing something. Keep singing louder, louder! It's the, the expression of the Christmas spirit causes Rothbart to explode, destroying him once and for all. With his death, Odette is turned back into a human, and she rushes to Derek's side. Unfortunately, Derek's injuries are too serious, and he dies in Odette's arms. Odette tearfully resumes singing her song of Christmas, and much to her surprise, glittering ornaments from the royal Christmas tree appear and encircle Derek and Odette in a magical healing circle. Derek springs to life, and the magic within the ornaments, the very spirit of Christmas, returns to the royal Christmas tree, restoring it to its former glory. You saved Christmas. And it wasn't even on your list. No. Christmas saved us all. Number 9 scurries off into the unknown, and the film ends with the commemoration of a new Christmas ornament, one celebrating Derek and Odette's role in saving Christmas. Christmas is the reason for the season when Jesus Christ was born. Jesus Christ was born. Christmas is the season for love on earth. Oh, God. Christy. <laughs> out out of all of the oh. swan princess movies this one has the lowest rating on imdb oh wow 3.7 <laughs> out of 10 <laughs> oh god oh just listening to you recap i couldn't i can't it's it's it... wonderful here's the thing I was really tired when I sat down to watch this film. I was like, you know, I didn't mind the first Swan Princess one. I probably won't need to make a lot of notes. And it only took, I think, like one minute for me to be like, well, fuck, and grab my notebook and just just begin. Yeah. And even still... When I was writing the plot summary for this one, I felt like I had written like three pages, and then and then I like looked over at the video and I had it paused. and I realized that it was only like twenty five minutes into the movie. So much, so much, and nothing happens in this yes. movie. Yes, exactly. It's like it's so. It feels so long, mm-hmm. even though it's it's really only there- just over an hour. It feels so long because so much happens, but nothing happens. It's so wild. There is so much setup with no real payoff. Like, they, there's just so much time taken. And I guess maybe this is, maybe this is because this was the first Swan Princess movie to be released in 14 years. That they were like, okay, we need to, like, 
<laughs> we need to try and slowly like reintroduce everybody to all of the major characters and and just try and ease everybody into back into the Swan Princess world. But it just it takes forever to get there and it never quite never quite gets to a point where you're just you're able to enjoy the movie. You're always so conscious of how much time has elapsed, how much time is there left in the movie. Holy shit, why is Rothbart trying to destroy Christmas all of a sudden? Oh my god. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> the Christmas spirit is so powerful. Oh, yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Rothbart just, he, I guess he's always just had this chip on his shoulder oh. about Christmas, and we just never knew about it because the first movie didn't take place around Christmas. Yeah, if, if it had been closer to Christmas, we would have known all about how much he hates Christmas and the Christmas spirit and how it makes him less powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Is it just... Oh, oh my god, I guess, I guess we, we gotta get into the... As you you're talking about before, the religious uh, implications of a I, Swan Princess Christmas. Jesus is canon in the Swan Princess yes. universe. Yes. So, thanks to the usage of existing Christmas songs in a Swan Princess Christmas, both Jesus and Santa Claus get name dropped, and in <laughs> Jesus's case, he gets mentioned multiple times. And at the end of the film, the orphan kids even perform a rendition of the nativity story to the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. like I guess that's just a thing in the Swan yeah. Princess world that contains magic and the dark arts and talking squirrels. There is also Christianity. <laughs> Which is, like, just so unexpected. Usually they try and mask it in some other, like, made-up holiday, or they just don't really get into it, and they're like, yes, it's Christmas, but they don't really get into the the reason for Christmas. It's just sort of, you know, it's a holiday. Whereas this one, they're like, no, no, this is... This world of of magical talking animals and wizards also has religion also, i guess jesus or just the concept of christianity exists and it yeah. it's wonderful it just it's so it's just nobody thought about the implications of it i guess and and again like as you said like rothbart is depowered by the spirit of christmas which is like is that like he like the presence of God or uh, Jesus like depowers him. <laughs> I think I think it was implied to be like the feelings of of love and okay. good cheer for your neighbors. Okay, so it's not like you can't repel Rothbart with a crucifix. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a ghost. Oh um, shit! Yeah, he's some kind of phantom. So maybe, maybe now you can. That's, oh, if, if playing phasmophobia has taught me anything, you drop a cross <laughs> on the ground, Rothbart can't go there. <laughs> I guess that's kind of, I guess that's, that's kind of what the wind chimes are, really, is that they're like a PG non-religious <laughs> crucifix. I guess. Also, okay. Yeah. So, so, they roll up to the, to the castle and the way up to the castle is lined with these wind chimes. With on top of the wind chime is like a porcelain figure of Odette as a swan. Like not yeah. just a swan. It's the it's Odette Swan. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, look at these swans. They remind me of the horrible curse I sw- I suffered under. Yeah. Like, Merry Christmas, I guess. Everyone loves to remind Odette about the time that she was held captive for God knows how long by an evil wizard who forced her into the role of a swan so that he could try and convince her to marry him. Everyone, everyone just loves rubbing that in. Yeah, they're like, remember? Remember how you were a swan? Remember how we all thought you were dead because he held you captive for so long that we just assumed that he killed you? Remember that? <laughs> Remember but it that? turned out you were a swan? And then you almost died as a swan because of events in the first... Remember? That why was crazy, crying? huh? Why, why are you crying? Are you, why are you crying, Odette? It's weird. It's weird. You don't want to be... You know, you, you don't, don't want this be to be... Surrounded by memories of... This is a horrible time in your life? Yeah. Wow. That's oh, weird. Great. Wow. This 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 film is this film is special in that this is the last at least as I, I, I still haven't seen Swan Princess Ten because if you've if you've listened to our Swan Princess Five episode, you know that I am being held hostage uh, with <laughs> regards to uh, not being able to watch it until our friend Steve uh, watches it with us. Steve. 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 Um but to date, this was the last appearance of Odette being turned into a swan in the Swan Princess series. The This is the last one. Yeah. The second and third films made it uh, a plot point that she just happened to be turned into a swan again. I guess just to like, I don't know, again, keep reminding the audience that, hey, this is the namesake. This is the whole Swan Princess thing. Um, but yeah, after this film, it just becomes a... Almost just like a title that Odette has, I guess, that people use when referring to her. The Swan Princess. Huh. Uh. Huh. (laughs) Which, again, it's just, it's that fun little reminder, just twisting the knife a little bit. (laughs) Just can't, never forget about being a swan. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. To start even more at the beginning, even before yeah. these swans, when they introduce this movie and Rogers comes out and he's talking about the tree. Yeah, so there's there's like a prelude to the actual plot of the movie where Rogers has to come in and explain Ornament Day and the the traditions of the kingdom. So each ornament, they show like a little a little scene of someone, like the first one is like an old man and he's carrying some heavy buckets and then this kid comes up. And helps him with the buckets. And then that turns into an ornament on the tree. And then the mm-hmm. next one is like a little girl falls down and a woman picks her up and helps her up. And that turns into an ornament on the tree. <laughs> and the third one is like a woman at a gravestone <laughs> crying with Uberta yeah. behind her. And then she she like stands up and like turns to Uberta and is crying. And Uberta and yeah. like hugs her and she's got an umbrella because it's raining. And then that turns into a happy ornament on the yeah. tree. And that yeah. shows up several other times because they keep using those ornaments in like different, different fashions. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's a kind thing to do to someone. But you want someone crying at a gravestone yeah. as an ornament on your tree? Yeah, what a weird fucking ornament to commemorate. <laughs> 
remember, you know, like this poor, probably like a widow or something. Remember when your husband died and the queen, I guess, just hang around, hung around the graveyard just for the opportunity to give you a hug and, and we made it into an ornament. Remember this? Remember that? What? Remember? Why are you crying? <laughs> Why does everyone cry when I talk to them? It's weird. God. Just some of the choices made in this film are just absolutely wild. Yeah. The whole the whole thing about Ornament Day, to to your point earlier, where these where these films usually try and invent their own holiday so as not to just use Christmas and avoid the religious implications, Ornament Day almost feels like that was what was gonna happen where you know, here's here's our not Christmas holiday. Here it's it's Ornament Day instead, and it just so yeah. happens to have the iconography of of a Christmas tree and all of that. Yep, but no, it's like they were they they just decided now, just Christmas. It's Christmas. Just double down. And I think it is purely because they wanted to just pile the movie with all of these traditional Christmas songs because there there exists Brie you can get the the Swan Princess Christmas oh, uh, CD no. if you want to fill your your Christmas Eve dinner with the the sounds of this movie all of the traditional the the Christmas songs oh no I there's there's so much because there's like a dance troupe and then there's like a bunch of orphans oh. singing and also yeah. the ugh, the whole thing with the orphans and they live in this like horrible sad orphanage and Odette comes by and she's like hello children I'm the princess mm -hmm. I'm like Odette you're rich give these kids some money <laughs> yeah they're yeah, wearing so like, rags Odette Odette so Odette um, Rogers and Uberta end up asking Odette to contribute to their little Christmas pageant by getting her own choir and getting them to perform a song at the tree lighting ceremony. So Odette decides to to go for maximum cute points and gets a gaggle of orphans to to sing a song about Jesus to, to win over the crowds at Christmas. <laughs> like they show the orphanage and it's this like sad dilapidated little place and I'm like Odette Odette you're a princess you live in a castle help yeah. these orphans no no yeah. okay but, no okay but, but, just make them sing for you I guess yeah don't worry, they are they are not only the most cheeriest orphans ever, but they are also amazing singers and able well, to do like sweet acrobatic dance moves and shit <laughs> just in like with little to no training. Yeah. You know. That's what they it, do at the orphanage. <laughs> I guess they got nothing better to do. This this film is so like I said, this film is so jam packed with songs, and they're not even really well incorporated into the movie. There's literally just moments where Odette is just sitting there while Rogers and Uberta is like, "Let me have my choir sing a song for you." Yeah, it's like it's framed as like, "Come watch their rehearsal," but it's literally just those three characters watching mm -hmm. a a group of singers do a, a song and dance number and it's just sort yeah. of happens throughout the movie yeah oh okay there there's two back to back and it's it's 
it's such a great moment in the film, if only because we get some really fun expressions on Odette's face during oh. it. <laughs> I'm fully expecting the one where it's zoomed in and she's smiling real big to be our thumbnail. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, there's oh my god, there's there's like so many good Odette faces to choose from. I was already I was like as I was going through the movie to make the summary, I kept noting them in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally Yeah. Oh I literally I have I have one here, it's twenty one forty, uh and it just says good face. <laughs> Excellent. My little notes. Good. Little Gotta make oh, note of god. these faces. Yeah. Oh. The so this this one as mentioned this was the first CGI sequel in the Swan Princess series and as a result you can kind of tell in the animation. Yeah. So it's a little rough here and there. Yeah, it's mostly it's yeah, like they don't stuff like Odette's expressions seem a little wonky, but it's there's also just some moments with this singers where because they're trying to do these like fun dance moves and be super acrobatic, there are some there's just I think it's just one moment in particular that I think of that sort of uh, epitomizes the the animation in this movie is that a singer just somehow magically, they get somebody like throws them into the oh, air yeah. and and yeah. then they just kind of like somehow turn completely sideways and does a barrel roll like 20 times it has has the most impressive airtime you've ever seen in a movie and then she just kind of magically floats down to the ground yeah yeah uh yeah that was a good part mm. like for the most part the animation is actually pretty good yeah. Like, yeah, there's definitely yeah. some some instances here and there where it's like, ah, but for the most part, fairly decent. It's not. It's not. It's definitely not on the level of something like Cindy the Fairy Princess. Oh God, it no. is. It is objectively bad, but it's it's definitely just something that I notice that. And I guess if anything, this is to give kudos to the Swan Princess sequels. They have gotten a lot better with the animation and even some of the mm -hmm. character models. I think they've refined a bit too. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But stuff like, especially with uh, with Number Nine with the cat, a lot of it is really cute. Mm -hmm. A lot of the animation on on him is great. Um. Yeah. Some yeah, it's sometimes the faces get a little weird. Mm -hmm. I I mostly another thing that that sticks out to me is Uberta because Uberta has this big bouffant. <gasps> oh hairdo. yeah, I think I made a note of that scene too. <laughs> yeah, her her forehead sometimes because they want to give a lot of bounce and wiggle to her hairdo. Sometimes her forehead like stretches and squishes, and it just looks a little weird. They've got the top squash. Uh, for her hair a little too far down, so it's affecting her head as well. Yeah, and it just makes it, it just looks like she's just made of jelly. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely improve that in later films, at least I haven't noticed it in, in subsequent sequels. That's good. I look forward to, to seeing the progress. Because yeah. we watched five, and I didn't mind, like, five was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Again, there was there's little foibles here and there, but, like, most of the time... Pretty great. Mm -hmm. It is funny in this film every time they make someone kiss, because they just sort of push the models together and their lips yeah. kind of almost touch. 
<laughs> but they but they add in the sound effects for some real sloopy kisses. You're like, there's a lot of kisses in this movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of mashing the two models together. Yeah. Oh god, so many kisses. And usually, I feel like usually in CG, you tilt their heads away from the camera because it's really hard to make characters kiss in mm-hmm. 3D. You need a lot of controls. You need a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there. So you usually turn their faces away from the camera. So you can you can feel it, but you can't see it. Especially with stylized characters, because sometimes you get, you know, characters with big noses or big chins, and then you try and, like, have these two people kiss, and you go, oh, shit, actually, these... This is gonna just clip into each other. Oh my god, what do we do? We need so many more controls on this face to make this work, and we don't have time, so... Angle them away from the camera. But Swan Princess says no. No, you see their lips come together. Even if they're only sort of like, barely touching. <laughs> but like you said, you just get that big kissy sound effect in. And then you know they're making out. Yeah, that means that means makeouts are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, bless. You, you mentioned number nine a little earlier. I love and that cat. I... I think my favorite thing about him, and it's more its more to do with Derek, but just one of the many things that makes me laugh in this movie is how Derek acts around number nine. He, he mentions wants be- to kill that cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. He mentions in the beginning that he's seen number nine skulking around a lot lately, so Derek is just super suspicious of why this little cat keeps showing up around him. And as a result, he just kind of comes off as like irrationally hating this one stray cat. Yeah, like, he is out to get this this poor, skinny, stray cat. And, yeah. like, there's there's no reason. He doesn't know Rothbart's around. He doesn't know that the cat is up to anything. He just fucking hates this cat and wants to kill yeah. him. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah. What the hell, Derek? It's the first time you see him. This poor cat is just, like, hanging out on this bridge while they're driving in their sleigh. And he's this this poor little cat, and he falls in the river. So he he pulls himself out, and he's freezing, and he's like covered in ice. And like they're driving their sleigh, and the cat's in the road, and Derek's like, "Oh, it's that it's that cat! Shoo, get out of here!" And I'm like, "That is a frozen animal. That cat is in distress. You monster! What are you doing?" <laughs> How can you do this? And it's not and it's not just it's not just Derek, it's Odette too. Yeah, Odette. they're both. You know, I've been seeing this cat a lot lately. Except without all the ice. Shoo, little fella. Shoo. Go on. That was kinda creepy. In in Swan Princess 5, Odette is the very beacon of goodness that causes the evil to be repelled by her very presence, and yet she sees this frozen solid stray cat, and Odette comments on, ooh, that cat is creepy. And then, yeah, like you said, they shoo it away. <laughs> it's literally this, so covered in ice that it can't, he can't move. Yeah. He, like, he, like, shakily, like, slowly moves his frozen solid body out of their presence and then what do they do they notice that there's mistletoe above them and they start kissing in the sleigh yeah <laughs> just monsters fuck off cat you're ruining the vibes of my makeout session oh my god 
I just, I was just bamboozled right out the gate by how they were treating this poor cat that, to their knowledge, yeah. has done nothing wrong. He's just yeah. a sweet little stray cat. And they're like, no, yeah. fuck him. He looks kind of creepy because he's so skinny because he's a stray cat. So I was actually going to ask you if the cat showed up in like previous Swan Princess in the in like Swan Princess two or three to justify their hatred of this of this cat. No. Okay. So they were just being cruel to a random cat. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine is new to this uh, to this movie in particular, and so I guess that's probably why they have that line of Derek's in the very beginning, where he's like, "I've seen this cat a lot lately," and he's all. That's when he gets suspicious of it. Um, yeah, it's just it's not really called for. Like oh. the only thing I can think of is that in the in one of the previous sequels the villain had um a bird that was helping them so i don't know if derek just assumes that any weird animal floating around their their castle is maybe attached to a new villain if he's just like that suspicious of shit now i don't he's know suspicious That's... of all animals now yeah which is just it's just ridiculous Poor God help cat. you if and you're he... a, a bird that has decided to nest in one of the neighboring trees. Oh my like, God. Der Derek's Derek's got you. Derek's just going around with his bow and arrow, just like, I got you. Who are you working for? Tell me. <laughs> this bird's just like, what? Tweet, tweet. <laughs> God. It's, yeah. And, and they don't really, there isn't really a moment where they get definitive proof that number nine is working for Rothbart. Like, he, he totally is. But Rothbart, like, number nine never really spills the beans to Derek. No. And I'm wondering, can number nine talk like the other animals can? Like, is he a talking cat? Like, uh, like the, <laughs> the tortoise and the frog and puffin. Like, can they... Yeah. Can they actually speak to Number Nine, or is Number Nine just able to talk to Rothbart because magic? This this film leaves it ambiguous because we don't see Number Nine talking to anybody else but Rothbart. So I I I'm not sure what the intention was, and I honestly I meant to look this back up too because I can't remember if in the first movie if it was implied that. Odette's animal friends could only talk to her because she was underneath, uh, uh under like she was Rothbard's also a swan. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember she was able to talk to them while she was human, but that was after Rothbard enchanted her. So maybe that's just how she was magically able to talk to them. I guess. I, should, I, I mean, guess that enchantment must just still linger. Yeah. Like she she learned the ways of talking to animals while a swan and. What, th despite no longer being a swan, she re she remembers how to speak to them because there's definitely instances. There was there's at least one in this movie where the frog is talking and it gives Odette an idea. Like she she's having mm -hmm. a conversation with these animals. Yeah. So shouldn't she also be able to talk to the cat? Yeah, it's. I think it's just. I think in the Swan Princess universe, actually, okay. I, I'm, something has sprung to my memory and I don't want to reveal it just yet because it, it deal it details Ooh. with um, a, a later Swan Princess sequel. Um, we will, we will, 
will, I guess, have to just leave the answer of, do animals just talk in this kingdom for another Swan Princess movie discussion? Okay, fair. Fair enough. We'll keep that just in mind, in the back of our minds, until we return to the Swan Princess cinematic universe. Yes, yes. Uh, But at least in regards to a Swan Princess Christmas, it is unclear what the intention is. But if... if, (laughs) (laughs) But in any case, I love number nine. I, yeah. that, that was, it was he's a fun little cat I like him a lot I hope I he shows up in a later film because <laughs> his whole deal is that cats have nine lives and he is on his ninth and the mm-hmm. only reason he's helping Rothbart is Rothbart 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 R- yeah, is because Rothbart. Rothbart's spirit has promised that if number nine helps him uh, return to life yeah. He will grant him nine more lives. Yeah. And it, it's cute because originally it was just he'd give him an extra life. But because number nine is kind of this, he's this snarky, smart little schemer. And he eventually, through the events of the movie, he he gets Rothbart to agree to giving him an extra uh, nine lives. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... I like him. I like this, yeah. like, terrible little cat. He's extremely fun. I think it, it helps that he, again, he is, like, kind of snarky and smarmy. And in a movie that is filled with everybody being so goody-goody, you just, you kind of root for the little snarky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to see him get his nine lives. Yeah. I wish Rothbard had had enough time as when when he gets his body back to at least just give number nine his lives. Yeah. Oh. Sadly, no. He was <laughs> defeated by Christmas spirit. Oh, fuck. I love that so much. If only they'd known in the first film that all they had to do was sing Christmas carols aggressively. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. That would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Odette just starts singing jingle bells and then he just explodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> That scene is so great because there's no fucking reason for her to start singing. No. She just she just goes for it. I guess I She's guess just she sad just sad and has the Christmas spirit. Yeah, I guess she just somehow assumes that like I mean like to be fair, she and Rothbart do have a conversation about you'll never destroy the Christmas spirit. So she knows that the Christmas spirit can affect him. But I guess just, like, how you would leap to make the leap of, if I sing, it will express the Christmas spirit at a level so great that it will explode him. <laughs> I just, it's its beautiful. <laughs> oh, not to mention, bring my boyfriend back from the dead. Yeah, yeah, that's even, that's even wilder. He is resurrected. Somehow... Just, I guess because the ornaments, when they were made, they were just somehow imbued with the power of the spirit of Christmas, that they somehow know that Derek is dead, and because, like, they just sort of appear 
magically, you just see them coming over the horizon, and they, again, they just encircled Derek and Odette, and they somehow could restore <laughs> him to life. And there was, like, oh my god. Oh. Because, like, it's it's not even a question, it's not even like he's dying, and they, they bring him back from the brink of death. It's, mm-hmm. Odette is like, I, I can't hear your heartbeat but I know you can still hear me. And he's like, no, he's f- he is dead. No, that man dead. died. And the Christmas spirit brought him back. Yeah. You see the loving close-up of Derek's face and his, his nostrils with holes that lead to nowhere. <laughs> they're, just, they're just like little divots in his face. And they just open and close. They're like, yeah, yeah, as he's breathing in and out. And then they just stop. He's dead. He's dead. He died. From hitting his head on stone stairs too hard. Yeah. Which, which would which kill you. Yeah. Yes. It's almost anticlimactic, though, in a film like this, where we literally, we just saw him, like, do battle with a weird winged dragon monstered thing, and then he just kind of gets flung off and bonks his head, and that's what does him in. Yep. Many choices in this film. Mm-hmm. The, this film is kind of fun for how we, we talked about in Swan Princess 5 how the movie did not pull any punches when it came to discussing death and how yeah. characters would, would talk about it very, very frankly. And then we go to in a Swan Princess 4, Swan Princess Christmas, they kind of tap dance around it for the majority of the film. So like. Rothbart was killed by Derek, but he phrases it as Derek took me out of this life and and Derek himself puts it as he got rid of Rothbart once. Yeah. But I and but then near the end when when Rothbart's evil plan is is coming to fruition and he's there and he's regained his body via magic because everyone is sad that they can't have Christmas cuz he wrecked their tree. Um <laughs> <laughs> Derek, Derek, like he, I, I can't remember if he like grabs his sword or something, but mm-hmm. he's going to, off to fight Rothbart. Or no, it's when he takes Odette to Swan Lake, so he like teleports them both mm-hmm. away. And Derek has his sword, and he's like, "Well, he's mortal now." And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. "Derek, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do a murder again, all right?" Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's like he's mortal, so I can kill him. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the weird. I so we gotta talk about Ice Leopard Pass. Oh my God! He shoots that leopard. Yeah, it's such a weird. As you said, like Derek just has these weird moments. For the for the most part, they're tap dancing around the idea of death. But then, Derek, after a wonderful sequence where oh my God, where apparently Rogers has invented snowboarding, um, or at least. The concept, I don't know if he, the practice, maybe not so much, it's, but... It's just a wooden board. <laughs> that, yeah. That, it's so, not even a snowboard, it's a wooden board without straps, mm-hmm. I don't think, that Derek yeah. just stands that on. Just, <laughs> yeah, Rogers yeah. invented the snowboard. Yeah, and which, to set the scene, so Derek has decided that the best place to go get the royal Christmas tree for this year is a place called Ice Leopard Pass, <sighs> and he drags his, his his stupid, shitty friend Bromley, who, as we mentioned in the last Swamp Princess episode, is just, his big thing is that he's cowardly, but he's also a braggart. So, 
Roth, er, so Bromley is scared shitless about the, the, the concept of ice leopards. Derek forces his friend to come anyways by, like, making fun of his cowardice. And then, two seconds after they arrive at Ice Leopard Pass, a fucking Ice Leopard shows up and starts chasing Bromley. <laughs> two Ice Leopards show up to chase Bromley. Two, oh, yeah, two Ice Leopards. So then, Bromley is on skis, and and then Derek has to follow him on his, his new invent, the new snowboard, and... It's this high-speed chase while trying to... Bromley is trying desperately not to be eaten by these things. And the sequence ends with the... the One of the snow le- the ice leopards is just about to attack Bromley when Derek fires an arrow and the camera just goes black. So you don't see anything. And then once the camera comes back on, you never see the aftermath... So like you, well, you kind of do in the distance. You kind of do in the distance. Okay. You see the the ice leopard just its corpse on the okay, ground I in front that. of Bromley. Oh yeah, it's there. There's a dead snow or ice leopard there. Because they were definitely they were trying to disguise it a bit. Because right immediately after the camera is staying tight to Bromley and Derek's reactions, and like nobody acknowledges. Oh, there's a dead animal in front of us. That yeah. If you no. hadn't drug my ass out to Ice Leopard Pass, you would not have had to kill Derek. Derek? Just saying. Derek. Why did you have to go all the way out to this, like, dangerous forest? You literally live near... F- it, yeah. I don't... Uh, but yeah, no, there's... After it shows their reactions, there's a wide shot because um, number nine is also there during this whole sequence, oh, yeah, and he yeah. has, like, a, a pithy remark. Yeah. Number nine witnesses this, and then he goes back to, to Rothbart, and he's like, holy shit, Derek will probably kill me, too. Okay, just settle down. <sighs> yeah, He took down two ice leopards while he was moving! Look, look, I'll give you three new lives. Four. No way. I'm out! Wait, yeah, wait. he's like, yeah, uh, he's going to murder me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I am in mortal danger from this man who hates me for no reason and will kill me if he finds me. <laughs> yeah, Damn. yeah. Oh, this, this poor little poor, cat. This poor cat. God. He just wants to be safe and have mm. more lives. Yeah. I feel bad for him. But yeah, so like, ice, so ice Leopard Pass and then kind of towards the end with Rothbart are just like these weird instances where... They they're just like okay I guess we have to kill these characters now so we can't avoid talking about death. I, I but guess. the rest of the time, the rest of the time we're gonna do the Yu Gi Oh thing of referring to <laughs> the Shadow Realm. Yeah, the Shadow Realm. Oh, I, I sent banished, you to the Shadow Realm. I banished Rothbart to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Speaking of Rothbart. Did he mm. always have that accent? Did he, he always could, yeah, sound like it, a sort of weird cowboy in the first movie? It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that was something that I thought they actually they did a good job with. Um, so Rothbart's voice actor, his original voice actor, um, passed away before oh. they rebooted the Swan Princess series. So um, the, the man that they got to replace him... Um, which I am definitely not now looking up on IMDb because I forgot to note it down earlier. 
how how dare you? I thought this was your favorite. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> God. Um. So Sean Wright replaces Jack Palance as Rothbart mm. in this one, mm-hmm. and I think he does a good job with trying to mimic Jack Palance's mannerisms because he kind of, as you said, he has like this a weird kind of cowboy twang to him. Yeah. Like it, it's fun. Mm-hmm. I he also I think- has a really excellent ongoing joke in the film where he gets mad and to emphasize his point he tries to like destroy something in his surroundings but he's a ghost so he just passes right through and he's like ah oh, damn it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he keeps trying to like there there's the one part in particular here there's like an ornament showing Derek and yeah. he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin their Christmas and he goes to try and smash the ornament and his hands just pass through and he's like oh right that it's, it's, he says something like that would have been a real good punctuation to that speech yeah. it would have been a real nice button on that yeah yeah, yeah. I, oh god it's just fun mm-hmm. I. I'm of two minds when it comes to Rothbart in this film. Um, So one of me, uh, you know, obviously, absolutely, I love that they brought back the big bad of the series and made it his mission to destroy Christmas. (laughs) That's that's just Uh fucking hilarious. This, this, what serious villain is now delegated to the role of being a a fucking Christmas Grinch? But the (laughs) other... The other part of me is legitimately kind of bummed that they they wasted Rothbart for oh, the God, Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah. It's like such it, waste. It, this is a waste. Yeah. It's to take the most value the most recognizable villain of the series and put him in the shitty Christmas movie. Like they could have done something really cool with Rothbart coming back. And instead, he comes back and he's just he's just all about, ah, Christmas sucks, I want to ruin Christmas. And also Derek and Odette, but mostly Christmas. Mostly Christmas, because that's the most powerful thing. Y- yeah, I guess I- once I figure out Christmas, I'll, I'll go and get Derek and Odette. Uh, just, I... Well, yeah, if he destroys Christmas and they have the power of Christmas all year, would that mean they would have less power? Yeah, I guess. I don't oh, know. Fuck this. His plan is so fucking confusing. It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what's dumb, too, is just the fact that, like, the movie right off the bat reveals Rothbart. Oh, yeah. He has the first line in the movie. Yeah. Like, they should have kept it a surprise because... You know, like, instead, right now in the movie, it just cuts to number nine, and Rothbart is, his ghostly voice is is barking an order at him, and so even if you don't recognize Rothbart's voice, two seconds later, you're explicitly told who he is when number nine addresses him as Rothbart. Yeah. And they could have had it so that, instead, in these scenes, only number nine can hear Rothbart at first, and then, once Derek opens the chest, you do the reveal that it was Rothbart all along. Yeah, or, or something. Yeah, just something to just make it, like, it's just been more fun to, like, <laughs> surprise. Oh, <laughs> oh, that chest! Yo, the fuck, this fucking okay. chest. Yeah. <laughs> so they have their cellar. They have their yeah. little basement in this castle. And amongst all these, like, plain wooden boxes, there is, like, an ornate chest 
mm-hmm. with the like a gothic font letter yeah. R upon the it's, front. Yeah, and, it's, and it's like and purple. Gold. Yeah, purple and blue and gold yeah. and red, and it's just like this, like completely out of place box mm-hmm. yeah, that has yeah. no explanation. But for some reason, if Derek opens it, that releases Rothbart's ghost. And, and like he opens this box and there's nothing I guess there's nothing in it, but the next time when he like realizes what he's done, he goes and he opens it and there's like a hell mouth in in yeah, this yeah, yeah. fucking box. And it's like, was that there and you just didn't notice the first time, Derek? Like I yeah, I assume I assume it was empty at first. And then, like you said, I guess it was just the entrance to hell, and, like, that was how, like, Rothbard was able to escape. Or it's, like, it kind of looks like the dark arts from the next movie. Oh, that's that's so true. So maybe Although, it's yeah. as a manifestation of the, the dark, or the evil arts, or whatever dark he arts, uses. but in a chest. Yeah. Oh, that fucking chest. It makes... It's so, it's so terrible. It makes no sense. And and I gotta I gotta bust out the Swan Princess lore here to further heighten how this makes no sense. Because Please do. In a Swan Princess 3, the mystery of the enchanted treasure, Odette finds out that Derek had found and kept some notes that Rothbart had about the Forbidden Arts. And and Derek kept them in the hopes that they could be used for good one day. And Odette is obviously not wanting any fucking part of this. So it, this yeah. this causes a, hu- a huge amount of conflict in the film between the two of them because Derek wants to keep the notes and Odette wants them destroyed. And spoilers for Swan Princess 3, but <gasps> in, in that movie, the villain targeted Derek and Odette explicitly to try and get Rothbard's notes. And as a result of the events of the movie, Odette temporarily dies oh my god and it's only after derek (laughs) destroys the notes does some contrived magic bullshit happen and odette (laughs) is revived i guess just because i guess knowing that god and jesus exist in this world i guess god was just like let me do you a solid for your good deed you let me pluck her soul out of heaven and just shoot it back down to earth for you (laughs) so all that to say why, after such a big to-do was made about keeping Rothbart's leftover crap, why the heck is this random chest of his now in Uberta's basement? So Yeah, how did this happen? Yeah, it's not just that that Derek found this in their basement. Because if you remember, we I mentioned this in the last Swamp Princess episode, Derek and Odette live in Rothbart's old, old castle at Swan right. Lake. Right. And that's how this old shit was laying around, is that it was just like, I guess there was just a part of the basement that they were like, oh, hey, actually, here's all Roth- Rothbard's stuff. But, so, it would make sense if that the chest was in their basement, but instead it's in Uberta's. So, either Derek or somebody else would have to move it there specifically from Rothbard's castle, or yeah. it was what? always in Uberta's cellar for some reason. What? What? Yeah. Like Swan how, princess did, plot holes. Yeah. Like, did Rothbart manifest the chest <laughs> in her? Her? her I guess because because it's like he doesn't. He's 
starts the film by being like, number nine, you got to get him into Uberta's basement, where I yeah. guess he knows, like, he must have just, I don't, what, why would he put it there? Well, yeah. Listen, I... I had I had a delivery of a chest, but for some reason they screwed up the the or the the address. And it ended up in her cellar. I don't know. <laughs> it just got delivered to the wrong address. Yeah, and like you birded a sign for it because she probably just gets a lot of deliveries to her place and doesn't give a shit. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, there we go. We've solved it. They just, they forgot to, they forgot to animate that scene the, is the thing. She was like, oh, the R must stand for Rogers. Well, I'll just put this in the basement. Oh, He'll find it. Oh, that's actually kind of, oh, I, I like it. We should, we should, we should contact Richard Rich, the director, and just be like, hey, you need some script doctors? Because we have it, between the two of us, we've got this shit nailed. We'll yeah, get this we can... tight. <laughs> You got plot holes. We can fix those for you, real easy. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll be like, here's my resume, and and then I just like slide him over, a, a just a photo of all of the Swan Princess movies on my DVD shelf, and he'll be like, and underneath hired. is just written the URL to to see this podcast, <laughs> to listen to the oh to this shit, podcast. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. No, he can't, can't know about the podcast. Oh, Oh. No, because here's the because here's the thing is that sometimes like the only place to find DVDs of of the Swamp Princess films is from the official Swamp Princess website, and I can't I can't risk them finding out who I am and then like blacklisting <laughs> me. I, you know, I need these DVDs. <laughs> it's <laughs> they can never know. <laughs> No, thank God that they they don't have a Twitter account because if they saw the shit that I post on Twitter about this stuff, <laughs> <movie, laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, Richard Rich, if I if you want to sponsor the podcast, I I would I would fucking I'd so be down for that. I would sell out so fast oh my God. <laughs> if he sent me. Oh my god. <laughs> we get an email from yeah. Richard Rich. Cease and desist. <laughs> you think it's going to be a sponsorship, but it's just a, a cease and desist order. Yeah, I get all excited. Like, oh, am I going to get some like sweet Swamp Princess swag? And it's just a big no. <laughs> no. No. Also, stop, stop talking this. about my movies. Stop this bullshit. We're sending somebody to <laughs> to repossess these Swan Princess movies that you've purchased. <laughs> oh my god. It'd be so sad. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> oh. I can we talk about can we talk about the idea of destroyed Christmas? Or at least as it relates to Rothbard's <laughs> plans. Uh-huh. You kind of mentioned this earlier, but like, so I guess Rothbart's idea of destroying Christmas is to, is to blow up a tree in front of a gathered crowd, and that's that's destroying Christmas. It's just everybody, I guess, presumably gets really bummed that oh, the tree's gone. Yeah, oh, well, Christmas when, is ruined. One one little you show them one little girl in the audience like grabs onto her mom and she's like, Christmas is gone. <laughs> You're like, and, oh, yeah. Oh, and no. That, okay. 
And that's that's when the mom should turn to the kid and be like, actually, dear, we just watched a whole scene about the nativity play, so you should know that Christmas is about <laughs> a fucking tree. How dare you? <laughs> There's literally, they literally, Odette gets the orphans to sing a song about how, how Christmas is the reason for the season Jesus Christ was born. Yeah, that's the, that's the... I, you know what I thought was going to happen was mm-hmm. he was going to destroy this tree, but he would be defeated by the power of Christmas because like, like all the who's in Whoville, oh, yeah, yeah, they'd yeah. all start singing and being like, no, you just because you took our tree and our gifts or whatever, Christmas still lives inside of all of us. Yeah. And, actually- and that would have sort of tied it in a little more. And also yeah. strengthen their message. And it would have been... But I guess maybe they were like, no, that's just the Grinch. <laughs> yeah, it's literally... <laughs> we can't do that, that's just the Grinch. Fuck yeah, now that you point that out, if it wasn't for Derek and Odette being there, he would have won <laughs> because everybody was just like, I guess Christmas is ruined. I guess we should all just go home to our homes also decorated for Christmas where we've obviously gotten our Christmas feasts yeah. ready and our... our Christmas presents and just throw them all away because Christmas is gone because Rothbard blew up the tree. Yeah. And surely there were people who weren't in attendance at the Christmas the, the Christmas recital that didn't see the tree blow up and who are just like at home celebrating with their own families or like people in other kingdoms who are celebrating Christmas. <laughs> they don't count. No, I guess not. <laughs> That or the Swan Princess world is just a barren wasteland that where only oh Uberta's kingdom a, exists. It's the post-apocalypse. Yeah, oh my god. <gasps> only one kingdom remains. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, it's just... It's just... It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's so wild. Yeah. I kind of I kind of wish that we saw like Rothbart as like an evil Santa and he like went and visited <laughs> the kingdoms like just blowing up Christmas trees. Going <laughs> across the world destroying Christmas all yeah. over. Yeah. Are Each time what? he becomes more powerful. Yeah. You know what? It would be great actually if they did like a full uh, "How the Grinch Stole Christmas" thing, and like they won him over with the spirit of Christmas. Oh, and he turned good. Yeah. Oh and my then, God. then, then he went to heaven instead of being a ghost. <gasps> oh, because he still has to die at the end. <laughs> I changed my ways. I've seen the light, and then Derek just comes out, just stabs him in the back, <laughs> stabs him. <laughs> Derek's gotta murder. Look, yeah, yeah. it's just gotta He's, happen. Yeah, Uberta just does a thumbs down to order his death. <laughs> all the all the the happy Christmas orphans just like descend upon Rothbart and just rip him apart. Oh my god! This is this is all in the script uh, the script that we have rewritten for Richard Rich and we presented yeah. to him. We just like slide it across the table and he just like looks at it and just like starts tapping this button on his under his desk for security. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going with like a trap door. Oh, with that <laughs> trap door button underneath his desk and we're just gone. 
<laughs> yeah, he actually, he seems like he'd be a trapdoor dude, so that's probably more likely. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel that in my soul. Yeah. The, the trapdoor opens up and, and, and we fall in and there's Bromley, who has been banished from the Swan Princess movies. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a note in here. That just says, I'm glad Bromley only shows up in one more movie and then he's gone. Because I remember you saying yeah. that he was in the the fifth one and then he's just gone afterwards. Yeah, it's like they just they just kind of forget. And actually, and I was trying to think too, the Chamberlain, like so like the little the little tiny short dude with the mustache who keeps making out with Bridget. I don't remember him showing up in any of the later films either. So I don't know if really? uh, he kind of got the boot too. Yeah. Oh, I feel I feel bad for for that, because I liked him and Bridget. They're just like two two weird people. They found love in each other. Yeah, despite like the huge age gap between the two of them, ah, just we don't know how old either of them are. I mean, she looks. I guess true. She definitely looks older than him, but maybe she's just seen some shit. She, I feel like she's just seen some shit. Yeah, I feel. I, just, I feel, feel like, and maybe he's older than he looks, but he, because he's sort of short and round, he looks a little more yeah. more young. That's true, but they they just they just love making out. They're just every chance they, just they love get each other. And they they want to make out. Is making out? I guess all the power to you. And you know what? I'm happy for Bridget. Yeah, because she like she's playing along to get like Rothbart to to believe that she's on his side again, and yeah, he's like getting her name wrong and calling her like the hag because that's who she was before when they worked together, and she's just like yeah, just how he referred yeah, and she's like my name is Bridget yeah, and so when when she works with him and he's finally trapped, she's like they call me Bridget, and I'm like. Hell yeah, Bridget. You tell him. You make a pretty good spy, Bridget. See? He called me Bridget. He should have called you a dirty sneak. Yeah. He, yeah, she is kind of great. I actually, when I, I couldn't remember if she was actually working for Derek when I was rewatching this. So part of, and I think part of me was just like, she like, does a good job at playing along. Yeah. Like, she's. She's sort of the goofy character, but you know, she she does a great job. Mm-hmm. And I think too because she, her character, and at least how Rothbart treats her is that he treats her as like the idiot. So, and yeah. and that's probably why he's able to get tricked by her is because he expects so little from her that he just there's nothing in his mind that would that gives him the red flag that she is working against me. He just thinks, "Oh, this the stupid little hag is just going to help me destroy Christmas." And and yeah, and like you said, it's so satisfying when she gets to turn it on him and is like was a key player as basically the entire reason why they were able to trap him is because of her. Yeah. Yeah. Like just good for her. Hmm. Good, great job, Bridget. Yeah. I, I, I want to talk. I, I gotta talk about this one part of my notes that I have titled, "I hate John Bob." Fuck John Bob. Why is he here? John Bob and, by extension, Odette's animal friends, 
have a bit more of a presence in this film, which is just, it's so unfortunate because Jean Bob is just fucking <laughs> obnoxious. He sucks so bad. I I don't mind Speed or Puffin. Yeah. Because, like, they're, like, kind of, like, like they're less obnoxious and they're usually, like, actually, like, they seem like actual good people who want to be helpful. And, but then there's Jean Bob. Who he's the type of character that always has to be goaded into doing the right thing. And even when you manage to do that, he spends the entire time complaining. His his whole subplot in this film is... So in the original movie, he was convinced that he was a prince transformed into a frog. So mm-hmm. he spent the entire movie wanting a kiss from Odette. And despite getting a kiss at the end of the first film and not turning back to a prince... By the time of A Swan Princess Christmas, Jean Bob is still apparently holding on to this idea that he is just a transformed prince. And as a result, his subplot in the movie just revolves around him trying to get kisses from random ladies. So he's just yeah, like... Yeah, it's the worst. Mm-hmm. It just, just sucks. Like, trying to do things to like either like convince or like trick ladies into giving him kisses. And it's just like weird... Like, this movie has so much going on somehow already. We really didn't need the Jean-Bob D-plot. No. C-plot, I guess. Yeah, he's just, he's so obnoxious. And and it is, it's kind of nice when Elise comes into the series, because as a result, they sort of, they end up giving her more focus over Odette's animal friends, which I guess if you really liked them, it's kind of a shame that they start getting less of a focus in the series. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? Any less screen time that Jean-Bob gets is a-okay in my book. Yeah, like... Let's just take the focus away from Jean Bob. Yeah. Cause yeah, I agree. Puffin and Speed, they're fine. Jean Bob, obnoxious. Yeah. No reason to be here. No. No, he's like he's like the one toxic friend that like you don't you would <laughs> never you would never hang out with by just the two of you. But because he's, like, a friend of a friend of other people, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, I really want to see Speed and Puffin, but I can't just invite Speed and Puffin and not John Bob, so I guess I have to invite John Bob, too. Ugh. Ugh. Their, yeah. their roommate, John Bob. Who yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, does the, why do they hang out with John Bob? They're so much better. God. They're so much better than him. And even they make fun of Jean-Bob. Like, even they, d- like, constantly just shit on him. No one likes Jean-Bob. No! Except Odette for some reason. It's, yeah, like, I guess Odette just, like, I don't know, tolerates him. Maybe, maybe like, they just don't hang out enough anymore that she is just, like, whatever. Yeah, she just doesn't care. I see Jean-Bob, like, once a week now because I've got, like, duties as a as a royal princess and I hang out with my <laughs> husband way more, so it's like, whatever. I could put up with Jean-Bob. The, the animal sidekicks have, have become redundant mm-hmm. and I can, I can feel the animators and the writers being like, we don't want to deal with these anymore, and People being like, no, but um, merchandise. 
Yeah, well, and and at least in the case of Jean Bob specifically, I forget if it's Richard Rich or Sheldon Young who's the producer of the Swan Princess series. I, I forget which is which, but one of them has said that Jean Bob is their favorite character. So yeah, I feel yeah, like as a result, tracks. we're pro- we're probably always going to see Jean Bob in some way. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> he does again again they do have way less of a presence in some of the later films as as it focuses on Elise and, and their adventures to the point that I have a hard time remembering like where where they show up in some of the films. <laughs> I mean that's that sounds good. I look forward yeah. to that. Honestly. God, this doesn't need to be in, in the podcast, but I watched The Mandalorian, and then I watched this last night, and then they had the lightsaber duel in the middle of this movie, and I was like... Oh, fuck yes. Oh my okay, god. Okay, this is definitely good in the podcast. <laughs> yes, so there's... For no fucking reason for whatsoever... No reason. Uh, Rogers and Uberta just start bickering about how they're going to get, like... They're going to cuten up their Christmas choirs... And so it's just this thing of like, well, I'm going to get a pony. I'm going to get a zebra. And and randomly, they're holding scrolls. And these <laughs> scrolls, they decide to turn them into lightsabers? For no reason. A- accompanied by like kind of Star Wars-y background music and like yeah. lightsaber-y sort of sound effects as they hit them together. They're literally just having a little lightsaber duel. And then it just ends. For no reason. I didn't want to have to do this. Rogers, careful. But you leave me no choice. Think of future generations. I'm bringing in. No. Baby pandas. No! <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. I I was I was baffled. I'm like why did this how did, did I fall asleep during the Mandalorian and then, or I fell asleep like, during you, this and was thinking yeah. about the Mandalorian and then this happened? What, yeah. Did, how did, did this did happen? Did you just imagine this? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was just that was it. Thank fuck you reminded me of that one. <laughs> there, there's so many there's so much in this fucking movie i i was going through i was so i was starting on making the clips for this the ones that we'll share on twitter and it's so fucking hard to pick out scenes that are to show on twitter because everyone is so dumb in its own special way <laughs> there's there's just so much there's yeah. just they, so much in this movie like, how am I supposed to choose? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, well. So many. I, I look forward to seeing what good ones you throw up on the, uh, on the Twitter. Yeah. On, on the, the official Bad Princess Movie Twitter. At Bad Princess um, MOV on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, uh, is, is there anything else you can think of for this one, Brie? Um... No, you know, I think, I mean, let's face it, probably, but I think we've sort of hit all the big points that I wanted to get to. Okay. That sounds good. 
So that'll be it for the discussion on the Swan Princess Christmas, which, as I think as we've proven to you, is a magical film well worth oh watching. <laughs> I guess. Oh my God. I, you guess. I, I guess. I highly recommend it. Holy <laughs> shit. What... What a what a ball this one is! But before we before we do our usual uh, closeouts, I do want to to mention that uh, so Christmas came a little early for us because we received our very first non-Steve email. <gasps> yes! Oh my god! Mm-hmm. <laughs> first non-Steve email. Yeah, non-Steve. <laughs> non-Steve. Um, so. We had a listener write in to the Bad Princess Movies email address, which is just badprincessmovies at gmail.com. So they mentioned in the email wanting to remain anonymous, so I won't say any names. Um, So everybody will just have to trust me that I'm not lying in saying that this is not an email from Steve. I guess there's the possibility that Steve has a double life on the internet that I don't know about, but... I, I let's let's all just assume that this is let's not all... some uh, weird. I don't think catfishing. So. <laughs> that doesn't feel like a Steve thing to do, so I think we're safe. I don't. He's a tricky man. He's a mysterious fellow. That's true. <laughs> but uh, so our our writer, our anonymous writer, mentions that the podcast has given them a ton of nostalgia as they've seen a lot of the films we've profiled so far as a kid. And they have provided a few suggestions for films, such as Golden Films' The Little Mermaid, the Golden Films slash Jet Lag Productions' take on Cinderella, and finally, A Fairy Tale Christmas, aka Braver, which is a film that we will definitely be watching one Christmas season, if nothing else, so that we can discuss the newsworthy rebranding of the movie. Ooh. So, yeah, so look forward to that one year. I'm intrigued. Um... So thank you for your email, anonymous thank listener. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I'll mention that I I did end up watching Golden Films as a Little Mermaid, which, if you had asked me before this email, I could have sworn that I had already seen it, just because I've I've seen so many of the Golden <laughs> Film stuff. Uh-huh. But apparently, I like and I own it too. And apparently, I bought it and just never watched it. Um, so without spoiling anything, it'll definitely be a film that we take a look at sometime in the future because as our anonymous emailer mentions, there is something in the ending which leaves you going, hey, wait a minute, um, excuse me, uh, you kind of forgot about something here. Ooh, yeah, I, so, I'm excited to see this one now. Yeah, look forward to that one coming, I'm not sure when, but hopefully... Sometime within the next year, we'll take a look. Probably at sometime one. soon. Yeah, yeah. Because now I'm gonna bug Christy about it because I want to see this. Yeah, but we we'll, do need we'll to space see. out our golden films. We've had a couple yeah. recently, but yeah, you know. that'll that'll be another one to add to the pile of the short princess movies to to foist onto Brie whenever she is busy <laughs> and cannot cannot commit herself to a full length experience <laughs> such as a Swan Princess Christmas. <laughs> oh well but thank you so much that when you told me that we got an email i was so happy so thank Mm. you thank you anonymous emailer yeah and and please anybody else listening in feel free to email us because we like we love to see it it's nice to see that somebody yeah it's it's so nice to see that somebody 
takes the time to email in, even if it's just to, um, you know, reiterate, like, hey, like, I've seen some of these films before, or hey, like, here's some suggestions. I It's nice to know that people are listening and yeah. enjoying themselves. And I guess in this last true episode of 2020, thank you to the people who have been listening. Yeah, thank that's you a good so point. Much. Thank you for everybody who's been tuning in. Um, we kind of just decided to do this podcast sort of like spur of the moment. And so it's just fun to have an excuse to to sit and chat about movies. Yeah. Uh, Get the opportunity for Christy to share her special gift of finding these movies. Mm-hmm. Get to, get to force Brie to, to watch <laughs> these movies. And she has to do it because there's a podcast now, so it's an obligation. She can't just I hide. Watch and, it. Yeah. <laughs> works out good for me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who's who's given us a listen. It really mm-hmm. it's really wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much. And and we as mentioned in the last episode, we're gonna be taking a little bit of a break over the Christmas season, but we will be coming back to you in the new year with a whole new season of of wonderfully bad princess movies. So please look forward to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope you have everyone has a wonderful holiday. Yeah. I hope it's at least good. If if you celebrate Christmas, I hope that an evil wizard doesn't come back to the de- from death and explodes your Christmas tree. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fing- fingers crossed. It turns out though, if he does come back, just start singing. Yeah, and, just start and- singing. You'll be fine. Yeah, He'll and there will be a, there will be a second explosion, but the second explosion will apparently rectify the first explosion. So. Yeah. So just be prepared for the second explosion and uh, decide what song you're singing in in the meantime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us. Again, if you want to check us out on Twitter, it's Bad Princess MOV. Uh, email us at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. And you could also check out the catalog of princess movies at badprincessmovies.com. Thank you, everyone. Have a have have a a healthy and safe and hopefully good rest of your year and a happy and safe new year. And we'll see you in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Have fun. Bye. 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 (laughs) Good night, everybody. Oh god, I fucking suck at the end, dudes. It's okay, I think it's our brand now. Yeah. <laughs> I